Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. Welcome to Kicks and Bricks. Joining us today is a woman who has a deep imprint on sneaker culture. She designed Tracy McGrady's first three signature sneakers for Adidas in the early 2000s. And the person that was responsible for me burning through countless East Bay catalogs. What's going on, Natalie? How you doing? Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. So I want to start off by asking, like, how did you get started designing shoes? Um, I... It was kind of all just happy accidents, to be quite honest. I graduated from, from uh, college. I um, studied industrial design. So sneakers, um, footwear was never really um, my future or the path that I was looking for. Um, I graduated and started interviewing, um, ran into a friend who was designing at Adidas and and he was like, why don't you come by and interview with us? So it literally all just happened. Um, I interviewed, I uh, interviewed with Paul Gaudio and he offered me a job and that was that. Um, he threw me straight into basketball. So <laughs> I showed up right out of school and, and joined the basketball team. I'm not sure who was more confused, the team or me, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of out of left field being, I grew up in Europe, I'm European, um, and then went to school in LA, but you know, I didn't grow up around basketball. Um, sneakers was never really part of my life uh, to the degree as we know it now with sneakerheads and the cultures around it. Um, so it was just kind of, it all just happened. I just got thrown into the pool and started to swim. That was that. How was that? Did that experience kind of like make your designs like better or since they put you in basically like a sink or swim situation? Um, it's hard for me to, to say if it, you know, if it made it better. I think I had to work that much harder. Um, and if I say that much harder, it wasn't so much the design aspect or the skills because I, you know, I came from a very strong school, but I didn't have the background. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't have the intuition. Um, I didn't, I had to literally learn, learn the culture, learn about basketball from, from zero, right? So um, I 
I still to this day wonder why they put me on the basketball team. And maybe that's exactly why, because I probably looked at things very differently and suggested or designed different than the expected. I don't know. Um, so it, it, it's hard for me to say if, you know, if, if my design was different because of it. Um, I think I, in some respect, I probably had to work a lot harder to even to earn the respect um, starting internally um, and do what I did. I, you know, every season you work in kind of six month seasons or you did back then. Um, I got my projects and I worked my ass off to be honest. And, and next, next season I asked for more, right? Um, and eventually, you know, the respect was there and um, I sort of in my own right was one of them without ever trying to really be one of them, right? Um, so it's, yeah, that's kind of what it was. Were you aware of like um, Tracy McGrady's basketball exploits like prior to um, you working on this shoe? No. No. Uh, no, no clue. No. So it was, you know, it was really for me, it was I I was learning as I was going. And and at the time when I started working on Team Act One, I was probably two, three years into my footwork career. So I was still kind of a puppy. Um and for us at Adidas, Kobe was the name and the 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 big brand, right? So all the focus was on Kobe. Um and you know, learning about the NBA and about the different teams and different players, um, college basketball, even high school basketball, there was so much for me on a constant daily level to take in that I kind of, like I said, I, I swam to not sink, right? So it was just like whatever was thrown at me, I would go and research and learn about. So um, the, the T-Mac, the first T-Mac was actually initially not meant to be his signature shoe. And that's oh, really? kind of, yeah, that's kind of, I think, why, why it was actually, why I got the project. Um, it was, it was meant to be one out of four shoes, a series of four. Um, and there were three other players next to him. So it was going to be kind of four guys. And the brief was to, to use the shell toe on all four in very different ways, um, inspired by each of those players. Um, and I just happened to get T-Mac as my inspiration and my player. Uh, they paired us up. They, um, our creative director paired up sort of their playing style and the inspiration with our design style. And so I guess T-Mac and I got matched up. <laughs> um, and so that was really, that was the start. And I was like, all right, let me learn everything I can about him and started to watch every game. and. Um, kind of observed his game and the way he plays. Um, and, and I went from there and maybe a couple of months into it, he was just, he was, he just joined um, Orlando Magic. And I think Grant Hill was injured. So yeah, he I'm sure he was. On, yeah. <laughs> he took on that kind of spotlight and, and did amazing. And, and so internally we're like, shit, we need, we need a signature shoe like this, you know, this is for real. And we were already working on his shoe. So that kind of then turned into his signature shoe. And, and honestly, I think that was really why I was on the project. I don't know if they would have handpicked <laughs> one designer um, and knew that it was going to be what it was in the end. 
Um, I'm not sure I would have been the first pick, but it all worked out. So like from your perspective, what was like the sneaker landscape like in 2001, 2002 from your perspective? Um, from my perspective and from our perspective, uh, you know, we were, we were the underdog, you know, heavy underdog to, to the Nikes and the Jordans. Um, and it was very much kind of some degree playing catch up at all times, right? I think it was a, a certain lack of confidence um, from the brand to really kind of stand our own ground. Um, and I want to say that, you know, the Kobe um, shoes for sure kind of like did their own thing and kind of had their own stage, um, obviously with him. Um, and, and then I think that that sort of first series that we, that we laid out as sort of, okay, we do have the shelter, we do have the superstar. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we use that? Why don't we stand on our own feet instead of trying to chase, um, the big guys, right? Yeah. At that time you mm -hmm. had the composite. And, uh, when I started, when I joined Adidas, it was Jordan 13 was out and, so we were constantly sort of looking at, you know, the brands ahead of us. Um, so I think that was sort of right around the time we started to sort of like stop chasing and started to do a little bit our own thing, um, which which is really what you need to do. You know, and what, and me personally, what I like about Adidas at that time, they always went after like the younger players. They didn't actually get the established players they got the younger players who would go on to be the the established players in like three years mm -hmm. or so yeah yeah so so did like kobe's like impending you know decision to leave adidas kind of like fast track t-max shoe it it did i mean they were you know they were there in parallel, of course, for, for a moment there. And um, the team acted better than we all expected, uh, which was kind of a fun, almost a little bit of an internal rivalry going on in there. Um, but yeah, it fast-tracked um, his signature line, his shoes, it fast-tracked him internally and his obviously his kind of status um, at Adidas as well. So I think it worked to his favor for sure. Was there like kind of like an internal competition between like Kobe's designers and like the designers for the T-Max shoe back then? So kind of like um, one up each other? Uh, yes and no. In a, you know, the Kobe's were already sort of underway. Um, it was a very sort of, I don't say secret team, but they kind of kept everything on the wraps. We saw very little of what was going on. Um, so it was, it was kept very separately from the, the rest of the basketball team. Um, so we kind of know, knew, didn't know what was going on. So when, when, when we were asked to work on, on that series of four players, that was really before um, we knew that T-Mac was gonna have his own reoccurring signature uh, series. Um, we did our own thing, you know, but yeah, there was definitely some rivalry. There's definitely some sort of back and forth and going on, but never to the degree where it was, you know, 
not in a not in a good kind of way. But it was fun to watch because even like in terms of colorways, in terms of materials, like we did our own thing. You know, we Orlando Magic. It was it was blue, it was white, it was black, and and it was like, why don't we just throw a blue blue toe on that black shoe? And it was like, you can't do that. It's ugly. And we're like, well, let's you know, let's do different. Let's not do the same expected, you know, and, and we had fun with it. Did you feel like any pressure to kind of like knock the T-Mac one out the park, given it was um, the, the first shoe in his line? What was the question again? I'm sorry. Did you feel any um, pressure to kind of like knock the T-Mac one out the park, given that it was his first shoe? Um, once we were sort of further down the line, you know, once it sort of switched to become his signature shoe, the pressure was on, right? Um, but we were pretty far along already. And I think that was, that was kind of the beauty of it, that when we started with it and when we had sort of the initial concept going and the initial kind of sketching going, there was actually very little pressure because it was not a signature shoe yet. Um, and, and I think that allowed me and us kind of to design very free without that kind of attention internally and expectation externally to, to create something that would outdo or out, out, you know, sell, mm -hmm. um, some of the big guys. Um, so, you know, I, in hindsight, I'm like, I'm, I feel lucky that it all played out the way it did. Um, there was a lot more pressure on the second one, right? Because the first one, nobody expected it. Nobody saw it coming. Um, and so that was just, that was kind of pure fun. And the pressure wasn't on, the pressure was on after. Um, when, All right. Yeah, yeah. when everybody's like, okay, what's, what's next? What are we gonna do? Um, even financially, right? Because the first one did extremely well. So it's like, we gotta, we gotta do it again. So that's actually worse. It's harder to follow up than to, than to come out the first time. Um, can you like talk about some of the tech that went into the first T-Max shoe? Yeah, so it was, it was very, the focus was really on the Shelto. Um, the idea that we, that we kind of take from the past, the Shelto being you know, such a protective element, what it allowed us to do was, was to give the shoe a really nice volume on the inside. Um, because of that element, you have kind of a toe box that, that allows for extra space, if you want to say so. Um, the other aspect, the other thing we did was we, we um, in that time it was quite common, we double lasted. I'm not sure if, you, if you're familiar with that, but you're basically wrapping the upper material around the midsole and attaching it to the, to the outsole. So you're giving the shoe um, extra stability by doing that. So it was giving the shoe more stability and we gave with the, with the shape of the shell toe, we gave it a certain amount of volume um, that, was, that was kind of more forgiving than on other shoes. So the, the focus was really on those elements. And then you obviously we played into, it was, it was kind of, a, I have the shoe here, but it was kind of a 360 play, right? If, if you see the toe wrap, it continues on into the bottom and it wraps all the way up to the heel. Um, so we pulled really the traction of the shoe and the story of the Shelto through a 360 kind of 
way into the design and all the way to the heel, um, which to me was very much the way I saw Tracy move on the court. You know, like it was it was very much a 360 sort of behavior um, and not so much just this linear back and forth. So I tried to really capture um, his motion and his movement um, in not just like, you know, the upper and the outsole, but really kind of in a 360 motion. You know, and one of my most like vivid memories of the TMAC one was the commercials. Like I remember seeing the ads in basketball magazines, like, and I even saw like a billboard in Times Square one Christmas. Can you talk about like the marketing of the shoe? Yeah, it, I mean, they very much played off of that same energy um, that the storytelling really always starts with um, the product. Um, and, in, and in case of a signature shoe and in case of T-Mac, uh, it starts with, with you know, the, the character and the, the player himself. Uh, my job was to take that into the shoe and giving what I like to call the shoe a soul, right? You're kind of giving it Tracy's energy. Um, and what marketing then did and does if they do well, right? They, they take that same energy and spin that out into marketing. And at that point, it was very much the print, the print um, um, marketing and printing and um, still TV ads, right? Um, so they took that same energy um, and I think did a great job kind of bringing that with that same sort of character that was on the shoe. The, the, the big thing for us was really once we had the design was that that toe, you know what it is, you know the shell toe, you know what brand that is. Yeah. Um, but to really have this visual stand out, the more simple your, your initial shape is, the more iconic it becomes, right? And the more in your face you can be about it because it has to read, like you would see it in a magazine, they had a lot of shots of his foot close up like with a with a kind of more dramatic angle, um, you have that element, and then when you actually watch a game and you watch him play, no matter where you are, if you're watching on TV or if you're in the bleachers, the shoe is tiny, right? The 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 field you have to really kind of show what it is 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 small, and so the more simple the actual shape is, the better it reads, right? And the more iconic it becomes, so we really kind of worked with the colors and the that swoop of that shell toe to become kind of that iconic read throughout. All right, so like T-Mac, he played in Orlando and Orlando is a real small market. They're not really known for sneakers. Like, but were you like initially surprised of the way that the um, sneaker took off when it was released? Um, Yes and no. I mean, yes, because I, you know, personally, I didn't expect, I didn't expect it to be that much of a success just um, because it all came kind of a surprise to me altogether. But, um, but in terms of it, you know, Orlando not being kind of the epicenter of the sneaker world or not kind of having that same um, cultural sort of hub. Um, I knew that at that time, uh, Tracy was bigger um, than, than the magic, you know, kind of had in their, in their space. So 
so no, I wasn't surprised that it would kind of rise to kind of that national level. You know, like the, like the first time I noticed the sneaker was like the 2002 All-Star game when he threw the alley-oop off the backboard to yeah. himself. Like, I think it was that moment that actually solidified the shoe. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was, that was Atlanta, right? Was that um, well, yeah, 2002. That was, I'm usually good with this. Hold on, don't tell me. I want to say DC. Atlanta was 03, I think. Yeah, Atlanta was the second team. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that was that moment. I mean, I, I say same thing. Like for, for us, it was just like he did, he just did this, right? In our shoe. And it was, yeah, it was pretty, that, that was huge. I mean, that was definitely kind of like, this is it. Like he was, everything sort of lined up from the marketing to the the, the shoe his his game his the, the all-star moment he had was was pretty epic you know like before this interview I was I was looking up sneaker sales for two for 2002 and um the t-mac one was actually like the best selling shoe for that year so it like was. how did it feel to like kind of knock Nike off that pedestal that that they were on because they had some some legit releases that year too. I'm not gonna lie, that was that was pretty awesome. Um, it like I said, you know, we I think we had a while where we were chasing or were we were chasing Nike also in numbers, right? And obviously with Nike and Jordan. So yeah, that was you know you asked me if it was a surprise that it did so well seeing those numbers and I have in my kind of portfolio book here, I have a, a sheet with the numbers. That was, um, that was pretty crazy because, you know, as, as a designer, you look at the cultural aspect and you are kind of taken by the community and the feedback and the chat rooms and what people think about it and say about it. And, and then there's the business side. And when you do see the numbers, it, that was definitely kind of the, a, a moment that felt pretty special. So like you talk about like how did the second shoe differ from the first shoe tech wise? What we did on the second shoe was the, the concept behind that was to lighten it up. Um, the thought behind it was to sort of the, it's almost like a maturing level where imagine ripping the, the shelter off and what was left was kind of the skeleton of it, right? So you still have a sort of supportive, protective um, durability story there, but, but it's sort of removing some of the weight, some of the extra um, layers um, and leaving only sort of the, the, the kind of scratch marks almost of it on the shoe. So um, from a storytelling point of view, that was kind of the intent of it. Um, so it was definitely lighter. It was definitely kind of a little bit more of a, of a evolution cleanup version of the first one. Um, and um, technically we kind of stayed with the, the double lasted um, technique that we had going on um, and then worked from there. We had kind of a double booty on the inside and the heel. So you definitely had like the cushioning story going on with the heel, um, with a heel kind of, uh, counter protective heel counter in the back so you have the stability more in the back of the shoe um 
and then and then again we had fun with with the materials you know we came out with an all patent version um which was which was fun and probably unexpected as well you know like the blue and back the blue and black colorway was my favorite t-mac too like it went perfectly with his magic away jersey and i'm curious like as the designer like do you have a favorite colorway of any of the T-Mac shoes that you designed? Um, I I loved the the silver of the first one. Um, that was one I liked a lot. The black and blue on the first one was, like I said, it was a little bit of an internal uh, struggle to get that through. And we did get it through from a, that was kind of design push. Um, and, and I thought that red, on on court extremely well like you could see that blue shelto from a distance which which to me was just amazing um so t-mac one that was definitely my favorite um combination um t-mac two i think i liked the all blue patent um i thought that was pretty striking um yeah i you know I like working with that blue you know, like kind of going back to the commercials a little bit, um, you know, for the commercial for the T-Mac too, like I kind of like that he gave some of his teammates shine in a commercial because usually it's just usually the um, the athlete that the sneakers for that's featured in a commercial, but he gave some of his teammates some shine and I thought that was pretty cool of him. I think it, that's that kind of tells you who he is, you know um that to me speaks to who he is as a person how he came across to us to me personally as well is he he was happy to share you know he he definitely had he obviously is who he is but he he did it with he did it in a or he came across always very effortless and and if you're good with who you are and if you have the confidence there's room to share and at the end of the day that you know that lives longer than trying to grab it all for yourself. So he had, he always to me had that, had the perfect balance there of obviously taking what's his and, and putting in the work and having his mo his moments, right. And his kind of career, but, but leaving that space. And he was, he was the same meeting in person. Like he, he, he left space for all of us. He had respect for, for each one of us. And, and you could tell, you know, you know, like, the T-Mac 2, that was like his featured shoe during the world championship um, in 2003. Like, how did, like, how did you react seeing your shoe on a global stage kind of pre-Yao Ming-ish before Yao Ming really took off? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up because it, there are so many moments that are, you, you think this is it, right? It kind of doesn't get better, it doesn't get bigger. And, and then there's another moment. And that was definitely another one where you're like, okay, this, this is not just Orlando, it's national. And then it's not just national. It's, you know, or it's, it's, it's the NBA and then it's the all-star. And then, and then all of a sudden it's a global situation and, and it, it's, it's extremely humbling. Right. And it's just, you, you're taking it in, you take in every moment and, and it's, it's amazing. At the end of the day, it's, it's his, his work, right? We're just, I felt kind of lucky to to be there with him or in the moment, right? 
you know, like I think the T Mac two was kind of like the apex of um, T Mac sneaker history, like in terms of popularity. Like mm-hmm. I even remember LeBron wore that shoe in high school. Like, um, how did it feel like seeing your sneaker like on the NBA hardwood high school, um, on the international level, and basically, you know, that shoe being a staple of streetwear culture at that time. Um, yeah, LeBron James had, we, we made colorways for him. Um, I think it was gold and blue or gold and green. Um, there was one game that was televised. Um, one of his high school games was, or I'm sure more than one, but there was a game that was televised. I forgot against who, but the other team was also an Adidas team sponsored by Adidas and the entire court was wearing the T-Mac. Um, and and I, I remember watching it on TV and thinking this is unreal. You know, you never see your shoe times 10 on the court, like that was it. Um, so moments like that was, was, was pretty amazing. And then, yeah, you know, seeing it on him, um, we met him at uh, basketball camps um, in New Jersey a couple of times. So, yeah, I mean, that was another, it's another moment that you're just kind of like, this is amazing, especially in hindsight, you know, considering who he is now and how his career went. Um, sometimes I just think I'm like, he was, he was wearing T-Mac first, right? <laughs> so yeah, there's just so many, like you mentioned before, World Cup and All-Stars and so many moments where, where you think this, the, this is amazing doesn't get better. And then T-Mac too. Yeah, it was, it, 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 it's, it's funny because it did sort of have, it was kind of almost stronger. I wonder if T-Mac one sort of propelled T-Mac two to be bigger, right? Um, also in numbers, um, the pressure was on, the pressure was on after the first one. Um, but I think we came off such a um, positive wave, um, also internally working and, um, and trust also with Tracy. Um, he, when we met with him on TMAC one, um, I did ask him a little bit about two and what he was thinking or if he had any thoughts or ideas. And, and he said to me, he, um, he's like, you know, you don't tell me how to play ball. I'm not going to tell you how to design. Um, well, that's dope. yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, the respect was so mutual, um, in, in a really cool way. I mean, he was so easy to work with and in a positive way, not that he, you know, he would try the shoe on, he would test it, he would, um train in it and and definitely have questions and thoughts and things but in in terms of you know the design and getting started and and sketching and ideation like he he let us do our thing it was trust you know i like like you know i think adidas they would have been unstoppable back then if they would have had t-mac at his prime and then they were able to kind of snag up young lebron yeah that would have been it for Nike. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So like um the T Mac three is probably like his most famous one, I think. And they say like good things come in threes, but um mm-hmm. I think the three from aesthetically how it looked, um, to how it felt, it took that shoe to like a whole new height. From from your perspective, yeah. Well, from mine. Yeah, yeah. 
So like, can you take us like in the war room for the making of the, um, the Team Act 3? Yeah. Yeah, I actually have like a whole bunch of sketches here. I even, I mean, you can see it, but um, this is one of the taped shoes that I taped up and I would do that a lot. I would tape older shoes and then just draw on, draw on them, right? That was pre kind of 3D programs and things. So um, I had a whole bunch of these, but um, for me, it was TMAC one to two to three. I worked in an evolution um which I, like you said all all the things coming threes um that was kind of my sort of run with it um we we kind of sped things up and i took the idea of three and then three stripes um into three zones um and and kind of brought that idea of the shelter and the and the the stripe element of it um off to the medial side as a supportive element and then kept this panel wrapping across um, in a asymmetric way kind of across your foot it kind of sped things up a bit and cleaned it up and gave that four foot panel a more of a, a protective element without that kind of molded heavy sort of overlay um, so i i divided the shoe up in three zones really um, and working kind of more in a say philosophical way and, and with the number three with the adidas number sort of um and gave it those three elements and and gave the shoe a little bit more speed and a little bit more sort of dynamic energy with that that was kind of the thought behind it man that's a gorgeous shoe man you thank you man like like you don't know how much of a treat this is for me seeing stuff like this <laughs> but um but like the most famous moment for the team act three like happened in the 2004 all-star game where he wore the like the mismatched um patent leather shoes like um and there's a famous picture of him like dunking a ball while showcasing the shoe mm -hmm. like how did it feel to see that shoe being plastered on um such a such an iconic moment in his career um again you know another and at some point it's like how, how much more how much more amazing or how many more amazing moments can you sort of get and take um you know uh he we had we had all the different colors ready and we we played with it in all kinds of ways and and i want to say that was even him just picking a blue and a red and go with it um I, I'm not even sure if that was scripted. So um, yeah, it was, uh, and again, I think, I don't know if they were, were they, were they patents as well? I think so. Um, but yeah, so it was, and, and for him then to have those moments and it to be photographed that way, it was just, again, it was just kind of like, it, it doesn't get better. I mean, um, it kind of lives to this day, which is pretty cool. What was your like initial reaction when you saw the mismatched shoe? I I loved it. It was it was uh, unexpected, you know. It was and since the since they were each completely one color, it wasn't like a little bit and a half and half and um it was just blue and red and you know, was it scripted? Was it not? It doesn't even matter. It was it was unique. And, and I haven't seen it before, so um, it was it was it was kind of perfect. You know, T Mac kind of started the wave of kind of wearing 
mismatched shoes. Like back then, people was looking at him like, "Come on, man, what the hell are you doing?" But are you surprised that um that the style he created, you know, still kind of resonates today? Because people still wear mismatched shoes all the time. Right. Um. It it doesn't surprise me, and the the reason I say that is because he has that. At least to me, he always had that. I want to say quiet confidence, right? Um, and by quiet, I mean it's a relaxed confidence. And and when you do your thing and you're not really doing it to be, I don't know, you you're not necessarily too worried about the reaction. You're just doing it because it feels right to you. Um, then it works the best, right? So uh, it doesn't surprise me because he has that that relaxed confidence. I want to I want to call it that. Um, he was, he never seemed concerned about how big his moment would be. He just went out there and did his thing. Um, and we all know how that worked out. So, um, right. Yeah. Um, recently, like a few years ago, Jalen Brown kind of recreated the mismatched shoe in the all-star game a few years ago. And when I asked him about it, um, like, like after the game, he said it was because, um, because of the impact T Mac had on his, about the impact T Mac had on him, and that shoe was actually his favorite shoe coming up. I never or, heard that. Before. Yeah, yes. or or one of his favorite shoes coming up, but but yeah, like that was a cool moment to see, like to see Jalen Brown wearing that shoe because it kind of brought me back to my teenage years, seeing T Mac doing the same thing. Right. Well, I, you know, that I have, it's the first time I hear it, but um, what I do like is when they can give each other that light that let, let another player shine for a moment. And even for LeBron to just acknowledge that or say that loud is, is you know, speaks for him as well, or that's cool, you know, it's cool that, yeah, like we said, I mean, he, he wore the T-Max in high school, right? So I'm sure it had some sort of impact on him or some sort of moment of, of knowing that, you know, he hopefully will have his own legacy and his own series coming. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's nice of him to kind of acknowledge that he would kind of recreate a moment that was special to him or meant something to him. You know, kind of looking back on the success of T-Mac, like being he was a, a prep to pro athlete, like do you think his shoe kind of like set the precedent for sneaker mega deals that soon followed, like after T-Mac, kind of like LeBron James and Nike and other, um, you know, NBA athletes at the time? I think, you know, Jordan really kind of obviously is – the legacy of all legacies, especially when it comes to a footwear, footwear signature series, right? Um, and even then, that was already, like I said, when I got into footwear, there was Jordan 13 when Tima came out, this Jordan 15. So that was, again, you can't compare anything to really to Jordan and Jordan's footwear line. But um, I think what, what really happened with the T-Mac line was that it that it was possible for others as well. That you know, it it wasn't only Jordan, right? That that it was it, it happened for T-Mac, and then and then 
Kobe had his start with Adidas and then and then had his line with Nike as well. And and LeBron, look at look at LeBron's line, right? So I think T Mac definitely kind of showed up at the his shoes and his signature line started at a time where there was almost kind of this, like you said, young young players would get their chance with with opportunities like that. So yeah, I haven't thought about it this way, but it probably did have sort of an impact. And on top of it, he was not a Nike athlete, right? So to to have that in your own right with a different brand um, is probably quite unique. Like, and how does it feel to kind of like see the shoe being retro so like a whole new generation could enjoy the shoe? I I love it. I mean, it's it's, you know, it's it's 20 years ago. So even for me, like my career has, moved on right I mean I'm still designing sneakers but it it's a long time ago so whenever I see it back or I see it even on feet or I or I hear comments about it or I see it on Instagram or whatever it is it's it just puts a smile on my face because it's almost like it's it's one of my babies <laughs> living on right so to to see it constantly come back is is pretty special I mean you know, you, you design so many shoes and there's very few, if any at all, that really kind of keep showing up over and over and different colors and different stories and different, you know, makeups and and then and then it was redesigned, which which again is 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 really humbling and 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 really cool. And then I actually met John a year and a half ago. Um, I was in New York and we got together and I, um, we talked and I, you know, so that was pretty cool to, to meet with him and kind of get his take on things and his kind of experience with T-Mac and, and he did a, he did a great job with, you know, keeping the legacy kind of so intact and yet giving it a completely kind of new, fresh take. Like, so. where do you see the shoe going in the future as far as, you, you know, his um the first three shoes, the Millennium shoes, or even the later T Mac shoes. Where do you like see it going in the future? Um, I I think it's it's really cool that they sort of relaunched almost a second series, a new start, and yet you know holding holding dear to to the or, or kind of create an homage to what it was. Um, I would. I would hope and assume that they can continue with it. I think they have two out now. The second one came out. Um, and you know, if you think about any sort of retro or any kind of vintage, if you want to call it that vintage shoe, that was done back then with the technologies and the possibilities that were available then. Um, and if you think about what, what can be done now, um, it's, it's pretty exciting and pretty cool project actually to to kind of propel that even further and, and take it you know further into the future and with T-Mac being so involved still and, and relevant uh, really with what he does for basketball and and um, I could see that kind of having quite a long long kind of um, second run. Um, I hope John stays on it. Um, I'm sure there's other designers who will do an amazing job as well. And it's funny that you mentioned John, like I spoke to him last week about the Millennium too. So I'm kind of doing like a whole T-Mac theme here. Yeah. I'm going for him. 
But um, do you have any upcoming projects in the works that you want to promote or talk about? Thank you. I, I have um, really exciting projects going on. I unfortunately can't talk about them. <laughs> I wish I could promote them. Um, ask me in a couple of months. Um, I have um, two, three projects right now. One is with, a, with an athlete, which is really exciting considering that I'm not with um, one of the big corporations anymore. Um, so that is really exciting to be able to do that from the outside. It's not in basketball. But, um, but still the thrill is the same, you know, when you get to work with the best in the world, um, the strongest, the fastest people, um, and really kind of understand their minds and, and what they are looking for with, with their equipment and the machines on their feet sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, I can't name names and I can't promote it, I wish I could. Um, and a whole nother project is a very different sort of take within the sports world um, it's actually not footwear, it's equipment, apparel, but it's, it's a completely new thing that we're going to um, come out with. And it's a, a whole team of um, people who left the big corporations and, and I'm busier than ever and I'm having actually more fun than ever, I want to say. <laughs> so unfortunately, I can't, I can't say it yet, um, but soon. You know, I want to thank you for joining us today. Like, you're a legend just like T-Mac and just like he's in the Hall of Fame. If there was a Hall of Fame for sneaker designers, I think you would be a first ballot. And if I had a vote, it would be for you. So thank you for joining us. You're very kind. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.